0: drive by cinema three nachos
1: and a foaming
0: thermos of fun
1: hello and welcome it's season two episode 28 of drive by cinema i'm using my gravelly soldier voice to introduce my co-host paul
0: thank you thank you captain uh welcome to episode 28 series two and this week Once we've got through with what we're getting through, uh, we're going to look at a supernatural horror fantasy and action adventure military movie, which I guess is why Richard is part of the A-Team at the moment. The A-Team? I'm sorry, was that the wrong thing to say?
1: It's just, you know, I'm playing the moody major, aren't I, who who Uh. balls out the scientist guy. Yeah, Uh, can I say you were maybe playing the intent and not the emotion there? I don't think he was playing much emotion either, was he? Let's face it. But this is discussing this week's film, and really what we should be doing at the moment is raking over the ashes of Talking old Talking about all the mistakes coals, we made. Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
0: Sifting through our own turds. <laughs> I think last week we looked at The Door into Summer, didn't we? Oh, yes. I'm right thinking that. A delightful Japanese film, I'm going to say conversion, of uh, an early American sci-fi novel. And I think everything we said was absolutely
1: spot on, so no corrections there. We didn't really say very much about the central paradox of the whole thing, the time travel paradox, which is that, like all the inventions... It's a loop. Yeah, like the robot, you know, it gets invented because he takes the robot back with him, and then they use that as the basis of their robot business and stuff like that. So it's all, you know, where did it all come from? It came from the future. I think time travel movies were full of that kind of stuff at one point. But why not anymore? Maybe, well, maybe they still are to an extent, but is it that modern time travel movies like to think of that kind of paradox as like an existential threat? Like, if, if that were to happen, then the universe would implode on itself.
0: Yes, I think so.
1: It seems to be what it what it's about, yeah.
0: I mean, certainly, I think what McFly points us out very, very cautiously, doesn't he, with the disappearing photograph? The etch sketch photograph?
1: That's a terrible example, though. Yeah, I mean, that's... It's so nonsensical, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, here, it's the idea it's a loop. So, so what? I mean, the only problem I have with it is he's not in a loop. He's there at, at, as two people at the same time kind
1: of thing. Yeah, you said that several times during the uh, recording. And I, I assume what you mean is you think that if you go back in time, you wind up in your old body, like looking through the old eyes. No, no, I think, like, like no. imagine it's a
0: loop. You come back on the loop. Yes. And you can rerun that time frame, but it's a different experience. But you wouldn't really expect to see yourself, would you, if that's the case?
1: Yeah, no, but you're assuming that you go back and you find yourself right, right where you would have been at the start. Well, that's what the film does. No. Yeah. That's not The film doesn't Kinda. assume that at all. No. What the fuck
0: does it assume then?
1: Well, I think there's a good argument to be made that that kind of time travel seems to break conservation of mass and energy. But maybe it doesn't.
0: Well, I mean, it, 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 they they, specific, sp- they specifically say this isn't parallel universes, don't they? Yes. In parallel yeah. universes is no problem because they're parallel universes. Yes. But then, why would you have a mirror into the other one and see it? You wouldn't, would you? So it's definitely not parallel universes happening here. No. And it's definitely not roller coaster loops because he sees himself. So what is it?
1: I I don't follow that logic, Paul. Why wouldn't you see yourself? Just because he didn't see himself the first time through, as it were. He was unconscious. He didn't know. He didn't know he was watching himself. The the idea is that everything we saw happen must have happened because unbeknownst to him and us, the viewers, a second him was there doing things behind the scenes. Yeah. That's the conceit, isn't it, really? That is the conceit, yeah.
0: And we're supposed to accept that, and of course, within the movie itself, the movie's the movie's terms of reference. You know, I can accept that, but I just, I mean, if you to pick all the ways that time travel could happen, I just don't see that as being the most likely. Huh. It's a, it's a rather specious, it's a rather specious choice
1: of how time travel time travel would happen, isn't it? Really, I don't know that it's it's certainly less specious than Back to the Future. Let's just say that. Yeah. But Back to
0: the Future is just built on a premise of making getting with your mum jokes, isn't it? <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. So Well they share that in common, don't they? They share incest in common. Oh, they in share common. incest, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Paul, speaking of crazy things have you seen do you know what the back rooms are? No. So it's a kind of creepy pasta, I suppose. It's a made-up thing. right? And it's to do with liminal spaces, so you might be interested in it. It's the mm. creepy idea that there exists a sort of dimension, a parallel world or something, of back rooms that you can find yourself in. Back rooms? I suppose the idea is that if you would get there by no clipping, which is a gaming term where you move through the walls of a 3D yeah. you know, shooter game. But in back rooms, you wind up in this... Quasi infinite stretching out kind of series of sort of nearly featureless rooms, the kind of things that you would find, you know, behind the function rooms of a hotel or something. Yeah. The the horror of it is that they just seem to go on and on forever and there's, you know, there's no way out. Or there are things that seem to be ways out but just lead back and loop around.
0: And this is supposed to be in real life or in games or in.
1: It exists in that kind of shared fictional space that rather like the SCP Foundation, which I've banged on about before. This is kind of like a the latest idea of, of that kind of shared fiction. You know, everyone keeps up the key fame of this being kind of quasi-real. Uh, and there's a, there are forums, I, I'm gonna guess it starts on 4chan, but it's currently on Reddit, I suppose, but you can go on and you post a picture of a liminal space and Either tell people or they will tell you what level of the backrooms it is. Apparently, there are wow. different levels. And
0: what's the website we go going
1: to do this? Well, I think the best introduction to the backrooms would actually be YouTube videos. So,
0: Title Backrooms.
1: Well, I can give you a link directly.
0: Oh, I've got the bit where he's making it back out again. Oh! There's a large alien being.
1: Uh huh. Okay. Are you disturbed, Paul? it scared you. No,
0: I'm not. I mean, it's, it's an interesting little movie.
1: but He's done several of them. Kane Parsons, mm-hmm. he appears to be called. Although, that sounds a little bit like a made-up name. But maybe it isn't. He's very talented, so, though. As far as I can tell, I think it must all be done in uh, with computer game engine. I'm going to guess.
0: I mean, it feeds into those kind of thoughts. That, you know, when you first fly an aeroplane, you think, well, maybe... They're not flying straight. Maybe they're flying at 0.5 degrees, and we're just coming back. And Australia's just a painted backdrop in London. But then, of course, about three or four years ago, people that don't get jabbed started believing this is actually true, rather than a thought experiment in your own mind. Yeah. So it kind of feeds into all those things, doesn't it? And the, what's the other idea that North Korea is like that? It's like you know, a very advanced office space, and <laughs> all. You know, all the poverty guards is just, uh, and the border guards is just a proxy to hide the fact that it's like the control center of the American military kind of thing, you know. It's those kind of ideas which are nice as sort of is-the-moon-made-of-green-cheese ideas, but the problem is that these days people have a tendency to really believe them rather than look at them as an alternative proposition
1: that helps us to balance out our understanding of what reality is. People who don't get jabs. Maybe that's the connection, Paul.
0: Ah, they're still safe. Their brains are still working. <laughs>
1: You see? That's not the way I was planning to go there. No, no, no. I know it isn't.
0: (laughs) But it's how they might be thinking, Richard.
1: Okay, stop. Music time. So, Paul, speaking of spooky films. Yes. Is this a spooky film that we watched?
0: I think it would have been if it ever slowed down for a second, which it didn't do.
1: Breathless, yes. This is Spectral 2016. Last week you were saying that it was slated for a cinema release, but that got... By crazy. Universal,
0: yes. It had a huge budget for 70 million, which I guess it's big or big-ish, yeah? But it never made it to cinema for whatever reason and was released... Well, Netflix picked it up and said, hey, you know, during 2000, what, 2016, 17, Netflix were expanding at a rapid pace, weren't they? And, and they said, hey, you know, we want this for our own. And it was, uh, it was one of the first big Netflix... Full movie releases, full budget full movie releases, I think.
1: Directed by Nick Mathieu, who... About
0: whom I know little. Yeah,
1: I have to say I can't pick up any other notable works in his Argo, if that's the right word.
0: He wrote some of it also. Yeah, he was also the He one. wrote the screenplay, and he wrote half of the story, presumably.
1: Now, I thought, when picking this, that this might be kind of like a Ghostbusters, that they're going to be going out there shooting ghosts, like the Ghostbusters do. But that's definitely not what this is. Wow. In fact, it's not supernatural at all. I don't think they even ever mention the idea or the concept of them being ghosts. That doesn't even come into it once. It's advanced natural. Yeah, It's all science. It's weapon research gone awry. Or gone, gone well, maybe, you could argue. That's how it's all depicted.
0: But at first, it appears to be paranormal or supernatural because of the phantasmagoric appearances of the baddies, yeah, which we'll sort get into, of, I guess. Sort of. They do, I mean, they don't make a big thing of it, though. But It, it later transpires that it's all from a lab, so it nothing starts to be scared off, of.
1: I mean, it starts off in like a... Well, I thought it was post-apocalyptic, but I don't think it is. It's just Moldova, isn't it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll get into that. It looks like Moldova. But Moldova in the, screen, you know, in the, in the drone shots appears to be very much like an expensive sort of reimagination of the city of
1: London. Well, it's not either Moldova or London, is it? It's actually filmed, I believe, in... in CGI. I think it's in Bucharest. It's a, I think Bucharest? It, but it's supposed to be Moldova, we learn later. And a, you mean uh, Budapest? Oh, uh, um, Budapest, I think. I think it was in Hungary.
0: You're right, it's in Hungary,
1: yeah. yeah. Budapest, yeah some kind of war is going on. We don't know exactly what it's about right at the beginning. There's soldiers running around this bombed out, dilapidated, destroyed town.
0: There are insurgents too.
1: That's right. They're fighting a war against these insurgents, but we don't see much of them. This soldier has got these fancy-ass night vision type goggles on and he finds himself running into this particular location or staircase or something. I can't remember what it is. And he comes across this a creature that appears on his night-vision goggles, but when he flips them up, it's not there. He flips them down and is there. Night-vision <laughs> goggles on, he sees it. Off, he doesn't see it. Yeah, absolutely right. Okay, he has a name, which I thought was quite funny, that guy. What, the guy at the beginning? Did he get a name? Yeah. The... He died. He does... He dies because... Oh, that guy dies, yeah, but the guy who, dis- who survives. Because what happens to these uh, soldiers is... This creature that can only be seen on the night vision goggles runs through them, like they're not there, and then they fall down dead. Now, you you talked about the budget. I just want to say, one thing about choosing enemies that can't be seen and kill you just by running (laughs) through you is it does potentially save a little bit of money on the whole effects budget. Which
0: they decided not to save, yeah.
1: They did decide not to save it in the end. But, you know, if you want enemies with guns shooting you, you've got to put... A load of squibs on your stuntmen and actors. Squibs are the little explosive things with blood bags on them. And you put them under the clothes. And, you know, one of the stunt technicians off the camera presses a button and they explode. Giving the impression you've been shot with a bullet. But they're quite dangerous. Better
0: than being shot with an actual bullet by an A-list Hollywood star.
1: Well, this is it. You know, firearms work and all of these practical effects can be dangerous on set.
0: As we found out in the recent months, yeah.
1: I don't get it. So, yeah, so it is... Hyperspectral, they describe as. Hyperspectral
0: night vision uh, that the surviving sergeant, Comstock, is also wearing, I think. Is that right, yeah? They all have them, don't they? They've been issued, these goggles. In any case, they're all dead, apart from pretty much Comstock, yeah, who's under a bathtub, which transpires, becomes important.
1: That's later. And the guy who
0: invented them is called Klein, who's like a CIA
1: researcher, is that right? He's not with the CIA. He's just some kind of, he's like a DARPA scientist. His female companion is with the CIA, isn't she, though? Yes, that's right. When we meet Klein, he's rummaging through. I have no idea why he's doing this. Un- in hindsight, again, it's not well,
0: because of Q. Obviously, in the James Bond films, I mean, it's just.
1: Uh, no, no, ho- hold on though. When we first meet him, he's like rummaging around, and he finds what I think he describes an old printer, like an inkjet printer, and he yeah. pulls the cartridge out, and he says he's looking for what I wrote down as tetrazine. But if you look That's up, right yeah. If you look it up I think it means Tartrazine, which is the yellow ink in printers.
0: Uh, and he's using that to f- explode water.
1: But why is he Is this post-apocalyptic? I mean why are they rummaging around for reagents in old printers uh, in factory?
0: It's been banned for whatever reason.
1: Okay. And why is there like a bombed out factory?
0: Cuz it's post-apocalyptic obviously.
1: I thought the battlefield was just a war in Moldova. It's not like everywhere is bombed out, is it? Or have I missed Central Park? Because he's he's somewhere at home, right? They put him on a plane and send him to Yeah, he's in the States somewhere. And he's using uh,
0: (laughs) out-of-date ink cartridges in colour yellow to explode water from a distance.
1: Yeah, that's right. He's using a laser beam... That's his new invention. ...to... Flash freeze or boil enemy water supply. That's what he's talking about doing. He zaps some water and it like explodes, doesn't it? Anyway,
0: then his superior comes in and he's like I don't want to do this. I came to make defensive weapons. This is a weapon of attack and war. And his boss says, yeah, you're right. But, you know, whatever. Like, attack is the best form of defense. I actually think he says that corny line. And, like, Klein is like, one over. It doesn't really put up much of a fight. He's like, oh, all right, okay, yeah, fair point. Yeah, I'll carry on making this stuff. And I was struck at this point by, like, the Cuban embassy syndrome, which has been in the news recently again.
1: Yes, you keep mentioning this, and they debunked it, Paul. Perhaps you better explain what it is. The Cuban Cuban embassy syndrome, okay,
0: presents itself with embassy staff suddenly and diplomatic staff suddenly experiencing extreme fatigue, extreme confusion, inability to concentrate on anything, including their work, just reports of debilitating tinnitus, and strangely the sound of marbles dropping on the floor in the room next door. Hmm. Among other things.
1: The conspiracy theory is that a foreign power with malicious intent is sending beams of some directed energy thing into the embassy buildings to make people sick.
0: Now, where could they have got that idea from?
1: Where, where could they have got Only
0: that? from Cars too?
1: <laughs> what?
0: Yeah! He fires ray guns at the explosive petrol engines, doesn't he? And, you know, as they come around the corner. Or is it Cars 3 or Cars 2, I think it is.
1: Is this credible, Paul? I don't think so. They're going to all this trouble, and it would presumably take quite a lot of energy to deliver it, at a, you know, at a distance through a building, through a wall to the hapless occupants to make them a bit, you know, a bit sick make them feel a bit dicky
0: Well anyway, it's really ahead ahead about three or four weeks ago and again they're suggesting, they're looking into the fact that it, you know, it could be bad actors. And
1: I heard or read a report somewhere that they'd looked into it and found no evidence that there was anything malicious going on. Uh, I'm sorry
0: I'm not here to account for the intelligence or otherwise of, you know (laughs) The U.S. government and its uh, and
1: its, its uh, probably, research operatives—it's probably but... jet lag, isn't it? You know, these embassy staff—probably a lot of them are just sent there to do a relatively short stint in the, yeah. in the embassy as part of their upwardly mobile career in the, you know, the the Foreign Office, whatever the equivalent in the State Department or whatever it is in the U.S. They go to a new place; they've never been out of the U.S. before. Probably it's different climate, different food. They're jet-lagged. No wonder they get fatigued and, you know, feel a bit dicky. It's culture shock. That's what they get. It's Americans having culture shock. What, what's that? You know, there is a syndrome that, that occurs in Paris. I think really? the Japanese get it. It's kind of culture shock. Oh,
0: yes. They have to have counselling for it. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's extreme disappointment that Paris and London are not as good as they imagined. <laughs> It's because the, the Parisians are so rude to them in restaurants. It's also London as well.
1: Is it London as well? Wow. Well, as it's well, un- completely yeah. understandable.
0: <laughs> deflated, I don't know what you would call it. Deflated expectation syndrome. syndrome. <laughs> Parisian deflated expectation syndrome. You know, the, 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 the sidewalks are just covered in dog muck. You know. <laughs> Waiters are just impossibly rude. There's litter everywhere. And I've make people, make people angry. Nobody's wearing deodorant. <laughs> there we go. I'd said it.
1: But I'd heard that uh, in Japan, I think Japan, we're talking here, wearing strongly smelling yes. deodorant is not... You're not supposed to smell of anything, is that?
0: Not, no. I mean, it's going to be something that's going to be like watermelon or, you know, or aloe vera or something like that. Okay. Something that smells wet and very... Sort of delicate.
1: Not um, not lynx body spray, which is what I generally Not lynx. No. There's a lot of snobbishness around lynx, and I don't understand it, in all honesty. Look, I've been wearing
0: brute after shave. No one would for two years. Yeah, exactly. And nobody knows. Exactly. Because people don't recognise the smell anymore. And they think, oh, there's a strong kind of after shave. I don't I don't recognise that. I've been asked, What's that are you wearing? Well it's brute, you know. 6 95 from Boots.
1: For younger listeners, I suppose, we have to say that Brute was very popular during the 1970s.
0: Not as popular as Old Spice.
1: Oh, yeah, true. But Old Spice has retained its, uh, its market. I think so, in the States, maybe, less so here.
0: Wow. It's like Canadian whiskey, isn't it?
1: Back to Spectral, for God's sake.
0: Anyway, sorry, edit all that out and let's get back to this movie. It's an ultra-spectral night-vision goggle thing and he invented it so he's only going to be sent off to go and find out what's wrong with it yeah
1: again this is poor writing of science isn't it because what do you do if you're a hollywood writer and you need to write about a scientist particularly one working on weapons you have to give them you know a conscience about the fact that they work on weapons one of the phrases that i wrote down was someone saying to him hear that the empathetic scientist in you dying which is terrible dialogue and not something you can imagine anyone ever saying, <laughs> especially as they were
0: working for the same
1: organisation.
0: But well, was it that two weeks ago? Uh, we want to give a more co- cognitive emotion, whatever that was.
1: Yeah. With the
0: uh, with emotional the badly cognition, teenage yeah. Yeah. emotional cognition, the badly tempered teenage teenage droid. Yeah. <laughs>
1: what was that movie? That was Morgan. Morgan, oh, yes. But the other thing that they're getting wrong here is they're doing a thing that a lot of people who don't fully understand the science kind of get wrong. They're using the electromagnetic spectrum as if it's got some kind of mysterious dark portions of it that we don't understand, rather than just a single...
0: Ultra-spectral. You
1: know, it's just a single From What line, I can gather
0: is he's using ultraviolet as night vision. <laughs> so...
1: Yeah, well, Exactly.
0: brave try but it's
1: not difficult to understand it's a single line of frequencies a narrow band of which we can see and everything beyond that is not visible is either radio waves or ultraviolet and radiation and that's it really there's no weird corner of it where phantoms exist (laughs) but there you go you've got to to write the scary room in the haunted house don't you
0: now he flies off to Moldova or Moldovia or wherever it is to find out what on earth's gone wrong with the glitches in his goggles.
1: Ah, yeah. And the general, and point, the general tells him uh, that the insurgents are based in the north on the border to Russia, which is strange be because Moldova doesn't, <laughs> doesn't border, border Russia in the north. It borders Unless, Ukraine. Of course. Oh, that's prophetic, isn't it? With 2016. It is. Although we've done a loop in time travel here. They had. I think in 2016 they had... They'd had their hands smacked, yeah. Well, they'd invaded Crimea, hadn't they?
0: Russia. They'd had their hands slapped in the day when we could slap their hands. (laughs) But we can't really do that anymore, can we?
1: (laughs) Yes. So, at time of recording at the moment, Russia is on the very border of Ukraine, about to possibly invade.
0: Or just tinkering with stock markets and making a fortune.
1: Mm, Yeah. Why do they think they are entitled to does anyone ever... Tinker with stock markets because they can. No, I more mean just invading Ukraine. Ah. Is, is that explained? I think...
0: Well, do we have a problem with that, With him having troops on the border?
1: Do we? Well, I, suppose, yeah. I mean, I suppose it's his border. He's allowed to put his troops wherever he wants. I
0: think that's the point he's making. So, why, I think what he's saying is, if I could paraphrase for him, and it's probably not his point, but let's imagine it is his point.
1: Paul is speaking on behalf of Putin.
0: <laughs> President Putin. <laughs> Look... At the pressure exerted on me, my troops are in my own country, or in a neighbouring country that has allowed my troops in Belarus. If this is not okay, why is it therefore okay for NATO to be where I am, but on the other side of the border?
1: But they're not, are they? NATO troops aren't in Ukraine. But they
0: soon will be, you see. That's his point, I think.
1: Well, they would be if Ukraine joined NATO, I suppose, but they're not about to.
0: There is an argument for saying there should be a buffer zone between the two two blocks, but I'm not sure Ukraine...
1: Wants that role.
0: Wants that or wants to be de-co-opted from the decision-making in becoming a buffer zone.
1: I know they have ambitions to join NATO. But
0: I think realistically, in ideal terms, it, it would be good if the Baltic states, Finland and Ukraine, could be neutral states a la Suisse. I think that might be useful for everybody, but maybe not for themselves. So.
1: Well, hopefully we're still here and there's no, not been a nuclear war before the next episode. Paul, what's happening in Moldova that needs the scientists to be there? <sighs> Well, we've just said the goggles aren't
0: working, yeah? So no, they are working. In there. they
1: are working. They're showing them these things they can't explain. and But they think that maybe it's a malfunction. It's a glitch. a glitch. So let's go and find out if it's a glitch or not. So they go in there. And he takes with him a fancy-ass camera, a very big thing. Oh, yeah, he does, doesn't he? And he says he wouldn't put a tech between him and his camera. I
0: don't know Which why. I think, again, is an ultraviolet, ultraviolet <laughs> camera. Which is possible, but Absolutely I'm not sure what it's going to see
1: yeah. at night. Well, you'd see... Ultraviolet things, wouldn't you? A yeah.
0: lot of it- it's going to see what sees. It's going to see flowers in the colour the bees. I was going to
1: say a lot of insects seeing ultraviolet. Yeah, yeah.
0: In he goes, and essentially, what you know, they they ascend slowly through the levels of this fact, you know, deserted factory or whatever it is. This cheap location.
1: At this point, it becomes obvious what this film is trying to be, because it is trying very hard to be aliens. You know, you've got oh yeah, it is a squad of hard-bitten Marines that they, they give him a lot of stick for pulling uh, their 50 cal off off their APC. They've got these really cool APCs, which are real Czech vehicles. Those things, but they're very much like the APC in Aliens. And they've got the tough female uh, accomplice. That's Fran Madison, played by Emily Mortimer, of the CIA. They've
0: taken all that and put it in you know, disuse factories for cheaper location purposes.
1: Along with Klein, they've got Captain Marco Cabrera. Uh, he's, the, he's the cool one who is sympathetic to Klein. He seems to recognise that having a scientist who can actually see the things you're fighting is probably a good idea. But they're
0: just going to confirm that it isn't the glitch. And so they go into the disused warehouse or factory or whatever it is, and pretty much they find out that everybody's dead except for one guy, Comstock.
1: Yeah, who's hiding, who as you say. they
0: retrieve... Under
1: an iron bathtub. Important.
0: He's under an iron bathtub. And they retrieve him and get back out to the armour vehicles, kind of. Is that is that a fairly accurate summation? That's right, yeah. Summation of it? And
1: while they're, while they're extracting from the building, they all get attacked by these things. And the scientist, Klein, is on the camera and he sees one... And he knows a, it's real. He sees yeah. one appear, yeah, right, at, at the sort of front door. And despite the fact that his buddy, Cabrera, shoots at the thing a lot. It doesn't do any doesn't have any effect on it. it. Goes straight through him. Oh my gosh, straight through him! And then Captain Marco Cabrera gets zapped by the by the Ghoulie, and he dies.
0: Oh dear. Okay. Well, they retreat. They beat a retreat, and is it this point they meet the Street Kids from the insurgency?
1: No, no, not quite. But that's the other aliens' point, isn't it? They find those they find little girl, maybe a little girl and a little boy. And by this time, they've dropped the goggles because someone says they can't recharge them, which seems to me to be a bit oh. of a that's a bit of a mistake, you know. Yeah. At the very least you'd have some of those like plug in cigarette light things in the APC, wouldn't you?
0: Hey, Klein was there for the research, not the development, so <laughs> not his problem.
1: Uh, they they find this factory and they trip over this like this pile, this long line of iron filings that are outside. Wow. And then they go into the factory and they find these two kids.
0: Spookier at this point it kind of annoyed me because were we on Amazon or were we on Netflix because I can't quite remember Netflix I think Netflix, obviously yeah. it's a Netflix movie yeah. uh, and at this point everything the children said got translated as speaks in a foreign language <laughs> so 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 maybe they were saying critical things we don't know
1: Moldova. We got
0: some echo. We got a bit of echo, like saying, oh, "Oh, right, okay." So you mean this kind of thing, yeah? And then it came out in English. So some of the echo we got through, you know, repeated dialogue. But a lot of what they said was speaks in a foreign language. So it's for the birds
1: that. You know, Moldova is the backdrop to quite a few of these kind of big set piece battle films. Because I think Moldova was in one of the Avengers Marvel movies, wasn't it? Ah. I think it's where that city gets hoisted in the air and dropped. Think that's smart, is it though?
0: because American mo- movie gods just don't know where it is? And therefore, I
1: think that's exactly why, right, yeah. And I'm not sure I would have known where it is until I looked it up, to be fair. Well,
0: it's obviously, it used to be a part of Bulgaria, obviously. obviously
1: yeah. yeah. Kind of, it feels like that anyway. Uncle Bulgaria. Now, this is the point where, and I know we both have a problem with this, where. Klein, is it a womble? Uncle Bulgaria was a womble, yeah. <laughs>
0: that's so weird. <laughs>
1: Why haven't the Wobbles
0: become a huge franchise? Anyway, we'll deal with that. But well, they, do- yeah, they were
1: the earliest environmentalists, weren't they? They were picking up litter long before it was fashionable. Why indeed? I don't know. At this point, Klein, the scientist, decides to turn his camera into a searchlight.
0: Slow down. Slow right down. Okay. Oh no, you're right, he does <laughs> at that point, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> he does something else, doesn't he? He, he turns it into a gun later, doesn't he? He turns a light, he turns a searchlight into a gun later. Oh God, does he? Or he turns uh, something into a something. gun?
1: Something, yeah. Now the thing about the thing about this is, is that's not how cameras and lights work, you know. It-
0: <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> he has two modes of invention. You're right, two different ones. And the first one, you're right. He takes his camera and he reverses the polarity. He reverses the polarity to turn it into a searchlight.
1: Yes. So. Even if, <laughs> even if his camera was able to see UV, he turns it into a UV light. It doesn't mean anyone will be able to see in UV, but the effect of turning <laughs> his camera into a searchlight is suddenly everyone can see the the spectres that when he shines them on it.
0: It's kind of like say the the silver plate that you took your photographs on. If you were to somehow, I don't know, <laughs> reverse Agitated. the polarity, you could you could illuminates the room with it (laughs) it's just deeply strange isn't it to suggest
1: it's a writer's idea of what science and technology might might be it's sympathetic you know what what a measurement is in a gauge or an
0: instrument is is it triggers some sort of reaction or effect doesn't it and the triggering the triggering stimulus has no Necessary connection with the effect inside the apparatus that it triggers. Yeah, that's right. So even if you reverse what's going on in the apparatus, it's not going to send the light or the, tr- the triggering stimulus Backed,
1: backwards, is it? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. And even if it did, it wouldn't. In there, it wouldn't make the soldiers' retinas pick up UV light.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is deeply. Weird. Well, they've just cancelled the camera, haven't they? So they won't be able to see the UV. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Exactly, and and the idea is that everyone see it. The whole point of doing this, I think, is rather than using the camera, you can just shine it, and everyone sees them. Okay. and it's it's a it's you know it it's for the film, isn't it? Well, that's the
0: piece. yeah. Okay, and they start shining it on these uh, on these what whatnots, on these as we now see them, phantasmagoric kind of ghostly traily figures, and as they come to the iron filings. The, the ring, the protective, the protective pentagram ring of iron filings. They kind of they spark and they're obviously hurt by the iron filings. And then there's a brainwave, isn't well, there?
1: Well, listen, I have to say I kind of like this film for some of the things that it does. Ambitious. I, I do like what they've done with these bad guys because, it, as I say, they're not really supernatural, right? They're never really presented as supernatural, no one ever says they're ghosts, they're just trying to figure out what they are. You know, initially they think they're a glitch in the camera, and then obviously they start working out that they're really dangerous, but no one ever really, I mean, I think the maybe the kids talk about them being spirits or something, but the yeah. scientists and the marines are not really on board with that, and I quite like that. But this whole thing about iron and the iron filings, this is... It's not just iron. The bathtub was made out of ceramics. Oh, was it ceramic,
0: the bathtub? That's why Comstock Comstock survived. Well, Well, for a short time anyway. They
1: said something weird about that. They said they can't pass through... He said... That's what gave him... Can't pass through iron or ceramic. He said it can't pass through ceramic, and he said, because they're man-made. For some reason... Because they're (laughs) man-made. For some reason that that proved to him... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. do you know what I went down
0: uh, when I just moved house I thought oh god you know, I'll have a new bathroom and I went down to look at the tiles right uh, were they ceramic and, well they had that new stuff which looks like stone but isn't stone faux it's stone. really expensive it's like 50 it's 50 pound a square metre but it's actually just ceramics right but it really looks like stone it's incredible you'd think it was slate or marble or whatever it is but that's very man made but I mean ceramics they're just heated clay am <laughs> i right thinking that yeah. anyway it triggers his intense moment of insight which is oh my gosh einstein bose condensate bose
1: einstein condensate it's usually called
0: oh i'm sorry bose einstein condensate you have to tell me about that Richard. oh right
1: i thought you were going it's to tell plasma, us what yeah. bose no it's not plasma it's not plasma oh plasma is the fourth state of matter it's highly
0: ionized disgusted plasma
1: no it's not highly ionized no what is it then Okay, so a Bose-Einstein condensate is an exotic fifth state of matter, and it exists only at the very, very cold. So it's the opposite end of the spectrum. No, I shouldn't use that word. Not for Moldovan (laughs) scientists, it doesn't. The opposite end of the heat scale to plasma. So a Bose-Einstein condensate is what happens when you take a material whose atoms or molecules even behave like bosons. Now, bosons are... Now, this gets very complicated. Bosons are a particular kind of subatomic particle which have a particular behaviour which, broadly speaking, means...
0: Are we saying it's so cold that neutron, proton, electron singularities are collapsing?
1: No, it's not that cold. No, I don't think so. But, OK, Paul, why don't we first explain why there is such a thing as absolute zero temperature? Well, things stop moving, (laughs) don't they? Temperature measures movement. Jiggling around, usually. Wobbling around.
0: Doesn't kill the temperature, just like bacteria. Once you take it out of the freezer, it will come alive again.
1: Well, exactly. You can't reach, you can't, you cannot reach absolute zero, because that would mean the thing you were d- describing wasn't moving at all, there was no energy in it. And did not exist, yeah. I suppose in theory it could exist in that state, but you'd never know because as soon as you tried to test it, you'd obviously have to put energy into it, right?
0: Interaction, yeah. The gauge, the measurement is an interaction. If you
1: put a thermometer into it, the thermometer is bound to be warmer than it because it's colder than Mm. anything else. So if you touched it, you'd make it move. But fundamentally, I mean, there can be no measurement without interaction. Exactly, exactly. So it's impossible, even in principle, to reach zero and practically it's impossible anyway because heat always moves from the hotter to the colder except for negative temperatures which we won't go (laughs) into
0: But in any sense on a fundamental sense, if it has no energy, it has no mass it doesn't exist.
1: Yeah, that's philosophical I like it. Here's the thing a Bose-Einstein condensate exists only a few hundred nano Kelvin above absolute zero
0: and is it highly proprietatious? Does it exhibit characteristics that we'd be interested in?
1: It exhibits weird characteristics. And I, I use that term because all the science descriptions call it weird. But it's not really weird in the way that you or I would think of as weird, or that your average spectral viewer would think of as weird. It's just weird in the way the material behaves in terms of its Ooh, properties. Tell us more. Well... i um,
0: somebody's done their homework for this podcast.
1: <laughs> so a boson unlike a fermion yeah. does not it, it does not obey the the Pauli exclusion principle. Uh. The Pauli exclusion principle is what electrons obey and it means it causes all chemistry to occur because two electrons can't share the, share the same energy level. But bosons can. And so if you cool material made of bosons which I I think basically means has to have a certain number of electrons so that doesn't have a spare electron. I think that's basically what we're talking about. Has a, And presumably there's something similar with the protons. You need, I think, integer spin, but anyway. Oh,
0: God, it's all coming back to me. Please don't don't bring these <laughs> nightmares back to me. I wish I'd never studied all this. But they can,
1: they can share the same energy levels. So if you cool them all down low enough to these very, very low temperatures, so close to absolute zero, then they all end up in the same energy state. And that has all kinds of consequences. Usually, people talk about... I say all kinds of consequences. The thing is, you can only ever even hope to achieve this with a handful of atoms, right? So, the samples we're talking about are tiny. They can't touch anything because it would immediately heat them up. So, they're in vacuum. And they have to be kept in magnetic containment so they don't touch the sides of the vacuum chamber, etc. Wow. And they cool them down in a rather counterintuitive way. What they do is they take a laser and they they oh. fire the laser at the particles and basically they're trying to use the momentum of the light of the laser, I think, to slow down the particles. So if you fire, I suppose you fire them when it's moving towards you and it would slow it down. I think that's the idea. And, but you keep them in this little magnetic containment zone. And that way you can artificially lower its temperature simply by slowing down all the atoms. And at some point they start to act in lockstep because all of their wave functions because they're all in the same energy level they kind of act like the same particle one particle I'm with you but you wouldn't know it because there's so few of them it would be anyway invisible to you and as soon
0: as anything happens to them they stop doing as it as
1: soon as you do anything sexy with them you're bound to add energy people usually describe liquid helium as behaving like this I see liquid helium is certainly super fluid that is to say if you put it in a beaker it's got no viscosity at all So capillary action, it crawls up the side of the container and over the top. Just by, you know, the surface tension and capillary and all that stuff, it just flows around objects. Uh, And if you set a vortex spinning in them, it can spin forever. It will never stop. A bit like um, superconductivity, I think, is another form of the same phenomena. But just in an electron C. I don't think... That, those are Bose Einstein condensates but they're kind of equivalent i think there's a lot of homology with that problem with you they're cute from a physics point of view but they're not really practical and i don't think you could 3d print human beings out of them <laughs> well let's
0: slow down a second there <laughs> somehow the moldovan government perhaps not the insurgents obviously have they've got one hell of a research lab and somehow they, they they're pushed towards that i don't know how they get there yeah. How do they find where it is? Oh, wait a minute. There's an insight. But anyway, I'll get to that in a second. So somehow, it, later in the movie, we see the research lab that this has all been done in. And, like, from the aerial footage for the drones, I mean, Moldova looks like Yemen, but done with classical music. Yeah. It's like a, a war zone, but with some broken classical architecture. And and yet, the, like, they're saying, oh, but of course the Moldovan government would be plowing huge amounts of money into their special research on this stuff. And it just doesn't quite square all this. But
1: Well, moreover, we why go. are they researching this? I mean, I suppose we're given to understand that they're quite a powerful weapon, because these spectral beings that they can create can kill people just by, you know, going over to them and walking through them. But it's not clear that anyone's got any control over them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, so they're kinda of bunkered in. They've made a retreat a final retreat from from the uh, from the ghouls, let's call them that, for the time of the apparitions. The and he has an insight that he's got to make a gun from all the stuff they've got. They've got to make these special guns. A
1: focused energy pulse which would break down a condensate.
0: They fire ultraviolet rays essentially.
1: As we've just discussed you don't need much to destroy a condensate. Just a, plasma a tiny bit of energy. It's, they're you plasma know. guns. You know, they make plasma guns. Yeah, effectively.
0: And what he does is he gets all the compasses and all the machine guns and, you know, maybe a couple of jeeps' engines and they, they tinker with them and in a matter of minutes they've got a plasma gun. Which is good because the ghouls somehow are getting past the iron filings by climbing up buildings and jumping to the higher floors. <laughs> so they're intelligent too.
1: I was going to say, the thing about the iron filings is it's quite nice because... Bose-Einstein condensates are indeed contained quite often by magnets and magnetic fields. Ah. So they done the homework, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, in a way. Kind of, sort of, maybe. But the, the reason I like it is when you're still thinking, you know, what are, what are these things? Are they ghosts? You know, are they, are they paranormal? You know, there is also this thing about demons, I think, being repelled by cold iron. As it's described, uh, which I think is just the—I know nothing of this. It's yeah, it's like you know the old you know in the same way that werewolves don't like silver. The term cold iron is sometimes used in folklore as a repellent or uh, you know the nemesis of demons. Or the thing is, I think cold iron is just the old word for iron. Um, <laughs> uh,
0: now, as the ghouls are fast encroaching on the on the you know on their little retreat. They're kind of shaking one of the kids and saying, "Come on, you know, how did your dad know about iron filings, um, from that and ceramics, as a, as a protection against these things?" The kid says, "Well, because he used to work in the nuclear power factory." Yeah. I'm not sure why that means that. <laughs> so then they have the third insight of the movie. You know, the second insight was making a plasma gun, uh, very inventive. Which is, let's go to the power
1: station. I bet that's where they're coming from. And they put one of the special searchlights on a robot dog. Which is <laughs> now that's a nice touch again, isn't it? Because they really do have those robot military dogs, Boston Dynamics. Boston, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Dyna- Boston Robotics. Yeah, I quite yeah.
1: like that. And they've got these, yeah, they've got these super plasma gun things that they start to fire at the the spectres that are emerging from this place.
0: Yeah, they've made a lot of those out of Jeep engines. Can I say that?
1: It's a very rapid eighteen modified van moment, isn't it? Where they get all this stuff together.
0: <laughs> really fast considering the rest of them are grunts and don't know the first thing about technology but it's a production line it's like did you ever do business, business weekend at, <laughs> at high school yes,
1: yes, yes.
0: where you have to make paper chains of men <laughs> yeah. you know you have to cut out a newspaper and make long chains of men holding hands or whatever yeah. and you get a little production line going you think you're really good You can be the well you quickly sort your team into
1: the people who'll be doing the work and the people who'll be telling <laughs> them what to do don't you that's yes. how it works
0: my team did really well because we made diabetic chocolate and cut down on the cost of sugar. <laughs> kind of a cheat, really, if you think about it.
1: Well, a huge diabetic market.
0: Yes. We, we didn't deal with markets, actually. We just dealt with the production I side. I see. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's somebody else's problem. So they
0: hoof it off whilst being chased, I guess. By well, they they keep they keep the ghouls at bay and they get. This the is no, power no. Station.
1: They get the soldiers to do like um, a sort of diversionary attack while uh, Klein and the CIA agent right. Fran they go hoof it off to the they, they go the to power the lab, station. don't they? And they find that what they're doing, oh my gosh. what they're doing is they're X-raying people. at a... <laughs> I wanted to say this, oh, but please do. <laughs> They're X-raying dead cadavers. Are they dead? Or half-alive people. Half-alive, yeah. Yeah.
0: They're X-raying them on the molecular level.
1: Which apparently destroys (laughs) them, doesn't it? (laughs) It's an X-ray. And it it leaves just their nervous system alive. So there's a brain and just some nerves. But it takes a photo of them. It takes an X-ray. And with that 3D X-ray...
0: Image they can rebuild these people, but with Bose
1: Einstein like, condensate, Bose
0: Einstein condensate, which is now like magic fairy. Dust. I'm, I'm just thinking, like, X rays do not give you that kind of image on a molecular level. No. If X rays are bouncing through molecules, they're going to be diffracted on a huge level.
1: Yes. Uh, how do you 3D print those? <laughs> no, no, condensate. they do. They're a little like matrix like that being printed, and then they get kept in all these cells all around the walls somehow not not really explain why for what
0: reason we don't know or well, to become a future weapon a war weapon a weapon of war oh but God, they're in vats glass vats I wonder if those vats are going to be shot by machine gun fire at some point or something like that
1: so they have to work out how to shut this place down fortunately Fran knows some. there's a big lever she, well there is a big lever but she has to go and read the instructions doesn't she and she says <laughs> half of these words I've never seen before which raises a question of, well, about the other half you know <laughs> Presumably, she has seen those ones. <laughs> try reading them. I don't know. There's a big
0: lever. There's ghouls arriving through the window. They're firing at them and shooting and smashing the vats. And then who the other ghouls are? One of the uh, oh, one of gosh. the soldiers what, gets what crushed climax.
1: by a robot dog, which is tragic. Oh, they try and pull the lever. It fails,
0: falls to the ground, and then and somehow he's looking, jumps up he, again.
1: Before they destroy it, though, he's looking at all these nervous systems and brains in these tables. Yeah. I think the idea is that they're still controlling the Bose-Einstein condensate bodies. It's remote. one big kind
0: of Borg. They're yeah. like
1: drone operated by by brains in vats. And she says to him, "Ah." she says to him, how do you know they can feel? And he says, I can't prove it. I, I can't. So maybe there are some things science can't answer. <laughs> well, I mean, in this film don't. there are a lot of things science can't answer. <laughs>
0: So, the idea is the condensate is a continuum, yeah, so it can communicate as a individual. No, group I think they're just fly, aren't they they're just wide yeah. oh, What was all those traily, traily little bits behind the ghouls then?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, maybe.
0: Yeah, it's like a continuum, yeah, you know, and if you break the sea, if you can't see it at any one point, you'll stop the communication. There we go, and of course, somehow, he manages to pull the lever and destroy them all. Just as they're about to destroy the world, they're all di- vanish into dust, into thin air. Wow,
1: end of. Brilliant, loved it. Do mm. you know this film was every bit as breathless as our explanation has just been. There is not a moment where they're not blowing stuff up.
0: Props, even props to the FX, really, really convincing. I thought.
1: Yeah, and I have to say they left it out. You know, if they dis- if they'd run out of money and they couldn't do the CGI, they could have just pretended all of the night vision goggles weren't working, couldn't they? And you wouldn't be able to see anything. And all the actors.
0: Again, I'll, I'll mention the, the seminal film Invisible Maniac did that. <laughs> Low budget for movie. Classic, classic, cult classic. They had an Invisible Maniac that remained invisible <laughs> for the entire movie. Well done.
1: And that, that's it. When the actors were dying, because they were being run through by a specter, they could have just mimed dying, couldn't they? Like, like the people in Dogville mimed opening and closing the doors.
0: But I think for seventy million, they got they got really good value on their FX. Really, really well done.
1: The only thing is, it's a little bit dull and gloomy, isn't it? It's a little bit brown. Can I say
0: old-fashioned? Yes. It feels a bit like those movies, Hunt for Red October. It is
1: old-fashioned. It's trying to be aliens. Yeah. Of course, it's of course it's old-fashioned.
0: No sequel. There was no spectral 2.
1: Look, there's nothing wrong with, by the way, trying to remake Aliens slightly updated. I think that's a noble ambition. I don't think it does a bad job. I don't mind it, but it's obviously it's not, you know, it's not a classic like Aliens was.
0: I just got a paper thin feeling about it all. Yeah, fair enough. I agree.
1: It feels like we're about to do scores, Paul.
0: We are. Let's head on for scoring this fella. Hmm. How about acting? More than perfunctory. Definitely performative. I'm going to give it six.
1: Emily Mortimer's friend, the CIA agent, the only actor I really know.
0: Interesting. The director doesn't have a link on Wiki. So there's
1: a whole load of. Did
0: he look out on that? A seventy million dollar movie is not anywhere to be found.
1: Yeah, interesting. I don't know how that came about. There's a whole load of sort of millennial soldiers with beards, none of whom I could tell one from the other. I think you're not supposed to be able to tell the difference. Well, though. I guess that's the idea, isn't it? they they all they all fungible, die. Except for the very gravelly major, who... He was either a captain or a major, I think he was called both ranks during the film. And uh, and his mate Cabrero, that was the other guy, who died very early, so... I will give it also a... mm, I'll give it a six as well, actually, Paul. Okay. Plot. Yeah, okay. This is pretty ordinary, isn't it? But I did like some of the touches here. I liked the way it felt a little bit paranormal and they even put in... Maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know whether that was conscious doing the iron thing, but it it, it felt like a nice nod to the folklore, so... Folklore debunked. I'll give it a seven for the plot. Okay. Like I said, I, I think the plot was the paper-thin element of this movie. I'm going
0: to score a five. It wasn't particularly a bad plot. Uh, it was a roller coaster ride, and it, it, it went along at a rollicking pace. The action was meaningful and necessary. I just thought twists and turns were rather mundane, and I don't think the horror of the situation—not the supernatural horror, but the horror of the situation—was played up to the level it should have been. It didn't feel real or
1: gritty. I mean, it felt. Yeah, you're right. There was quite a sheen to everything. It, I, there was no emotional depth there. I don't. Think. I'm being very generous. I know I'm being generous with it, but you liked it. I that's didn't her. hate this movie at all. No. No, and no, I enjoyed it. We'll do science then. <laughs> The science, I, yeah, I thought that everything was pretty much in place apart from the
0: Einstein, Bose condensate and, of course, reversing polarities and stuff like that. And then it's whether you believe they can build a plasma gun in 15 minutes from, from GPS. And whether they
1: can turn, I'm going to score turn seven. a camera into a searchlight that everyone can see. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to score a seven. You're being generous now. I think you're being generous. Look. Well, I thought that there, were there are there, ideas there. There are ideas. Look, fair enough. You know, he's obviously done a little bit of research into like low temperature physics stuff even that laser thing at the beginning that actually does sound that sounds a bit like negative temperature stuff which I'm not going to explain now but is although it's negative temperature actually kind of really hot because it's a population inversion and so when they're talking about freeze boiling the water and when uh-huh. I, you know, all the soldiers get sort of freeze heated or something don't they freeze burnt or something I think he's read, you know, a scientific American article about low temperature physics and he's put all the words in. It just doesn't make much sense. And I don't like the way he abuses the EM spectrum.
0: Why on a budget of 70 million and for that matter we've we've looked at movies with bigger budgets that haven't done it also. Why don't they just get one science <laughs> advisor in
1: there? Well they, yeah, they don't want to crimp the style of the writer, do they, I guess. It's got to be the way it's got to be. Yeah. yeah. Look, look if you're going to have a war movie, it's helpful to everybody, I think, that you have baddies that you can just shoot without any moral compunction. Yeah. If you're not going to do a World War II movie because someone did Saving Private Ryan already, then you've got to invent some you know, completely specious like, alien-y type thing that you, you can just shoot. And that's what they did, isn't it? It takes a bit of contrivance to do that. And sometimes the science... Richard, suffers, so I'm going to
0: have to draw you on your science score. Six. I feel Final score, six. six.
1: Okay. Finally, FX. Oh, yeah. And action. Yeah, uh, and action. there's a lot of... Although it, it, the overall look of the film is a bit brown and it's a bit busy and it doesn't really stop the action's pretty good. It's got mm-hmm. shades mm-hmm. of um, Black Hawk yeah. Black Hawk Down it feels like at times yeah
0: it's got a bit of mission impossible to it but without
1: the levity of that And robot dogs so i will give it an 8 here
0: i can't fault the action Bullshit. i don't think it was overmuch it wasn't avengers overmuch <laughs> i never thought oh god just just lay off it came in quite short extended bursts but they were bursts and you know there was andante and allegro in this in this score I thought it was very nicely paced, the action. I thought it was all necessary. It made sense within the plot. And the effects, for me, on the budget, were simply stunning. I liked I liked the gritty cinematography. I liked that green and brown colour. I'm going to score
1: it a 9.5 Wow! for effects. Big score, man. Yeah. So overall, you know, this is certainly a 7 for me. I, I I don't think you'd be disappointed at watching this if you want um, an action shooty movie. For me, this... I mean, it, my score's averaged up to
0: 7 point something, but I'm going to have to score it an 8 because it's a thoroughly enjoyable movie. It's more than some of its parts. It's, it is what it is. It's quite lightweight, but it's just really enjoyable. So a high recommend from me.
1: My, my. Hey, that was unexpected. What... Crazy-ass films we do next time? I've got two suggestions, Paul. Oh, go on. Throttle me with them. My first suggestion, which is... Uh, I've realised, belatedly, is actually a TV series. I don't think we can do two oh. TV series in one season of the podcast. But that is... I thought it was last season we did one. All of Us Are...
0: Extracurricular. No, I think
1: that was this season. It was early in this season. And that is oh, All of oh. Us Are Dead, which is a Korean drama Ooh. on Netflix. Alternatively, I suggest we do... A movie just from last year, called Free Guy.
0: Was it one of the first ante after lockdown movies? I think it was. Yeah, came before came before. It did come before Spectre, whatever it's called.
1: No, not no. You mean uh, No Time to Die?
0: No Time to Die came before Dune, obviously, because that was after
1: No Time to Die.
0: What's the name of it? Free Guy. Free Guy from twenty twenty one. Well, I think you left me no choice. Uh, I don't. I do want to watch all of us are or dead, then, or you are dead. But we don't have time. We don't have time. It's a big we series. We don't have time. It's gonna be Free Guy from 2021. I'm looking forward to it. What is it all about?
1: Oh, it's about a guy in a video game. Yay!
0: <laughs> Good all choice.
1: Right. Until then, Free Guy's a movie. This is goodbye from Drive By Cinema. Chopping out. Goodbye. Shoot!